1: You never know when you'll discover an amazing new director or the next great acting talent. It's often the first crack filmmakers get at a big break, and movies that get considered for Oscars often get their initial buzz at film festivals. Seeing that it is now officially fall, and that means it's Oscar season. It's also, it also means it's time for Nashville's film festivals to shine. Today, we'll get a recap on the International Black Film Festival that wrapped up last night and check in on the Nashville Film Festival, which runs until Wednesday. Plus, we'll explore our city's cinema scene with a few local filmmakers. But first, in January, during Governor Lee's State of the State address, he announced a partnership with Hillsdale College. The Michigan-based super conservative college was tasked with creating charter schools across the state. The schools would use the ACE, or American Classical Education Curriculum, which drew a lot of criticism for how it recasts the history of the civil rights movement. The organization has also been plagued with controversial comments by members, including its president. News Channel 5's chief investigative reporter, Phil Williams, has been following the story. He's a voice known to Nashvilleians, and he joins me now to discuss. Hey, Phil, welcome to This is Nashville. Thanks for being here. It's good to be with you. So American Classical Education recently withdrew its application to create a new network of charter schools affiliated with Hillsdale College in Tennessee.
0: Why? This was a rare moment in in political uh, history in Tennessee when this group ran into a political buzzsaw that united Democrats and Republicans in saying, hold on, we're not sure this group is the right group to set up charter schools in, in Tennessee uh, and they they had an application pending before the Tennessee Public Charter School Commission. It became apparent, based on what we can discern from the exchange of letters, that there were questions that the commission staff had about how well they could do as a charter school network. Uh, and and uh, in the, the letter that... Uh, Uh, American Classical Academy or American Classical Education sent to the state, they said they could not answer all of the questions that the commission had by this week's deadline. Mm -hmm. And so uh, they had asked for a delay. The commission said they were not allowed to do that by law. And so rather than potentially facing a, a, a rejection, they decided to withdraw their application. Okay. At least for now. Okay, a, a bipartisan
1: effort in Tennessee is rare, to say the least. Absolutely. On this sh- on this show, we recently discussed the contentious commission meetings about Hit the Hillsdale application. You know, can you give us a brief overview of why the charter school community was so
0: concerned? Well. The, there was not a lot of concern, uh, even after some of the early stories that we we did, because we did stories, as you mentioned, about the fact that Hillsdale's curriculum rewrites the history of the civil rights movement. For example, uh, it, it 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 is what Governor Lee called informed patriotism, hmm. wh- which which means, as far as I can tell, let's not talk about the warts of American history too much. Hmm. Let's let's not dwell on that. Let's. Let's mention that the founders were slave owners, but let's say that they felt bad about that. they They felt guilty about that. And so you you put a, a spin on the fact that the founders own slaves. Uh, and and so th- but but even after those initial stories about the curriculum, there was not, you know, a, a huge backlash. Then we obtained video from a, a reception that the governor hosted with Larry Arnn, the president of Hillsdale College, uh, in which Larry Arnn infamously said that public school teachers quote come from the dumbest parts of the dumbest colleges," mm-hmm. uh, and and that created this unexpected bipartisan backlash. Where Republicans and Democrats were both saying, hold on. You know, we, we need to defend our public school teachers. Although, you know, the governor did not repudiate Mr. Arn's comments.
1: You also uncovered a video of Hillsdale professor David Azerod giving a talk in which he really minimizes the contributions of black Americans, to put it lightly. Let's listen to that.
2: This black privilege not to be offended is increasingly being supplemented by a black demand to be honored in all realms, regardless of accomplishments. So you have mediocre black composers, scientists, and writers from the past who are showered with praise, while, pardon me, genuinely great men, who in hindsight just had the most misfortune of being white are being canceled. Um, If he were not black, no one in America today would know who George Washington Carver is. History is constantly being rewritten to magnify beyond all reasonable proportions the contributions of black Americans. I mean, to me, the example that I find most amusing is Hollywood a few years ago made a movie called Hidden Figures about the role of low-level black female mathematicians in putting a man on the moon.
1: Wow. Um, we don't have enough time in this show for my full comments, so I'll save that for another moment. How did you come across this, and what was your reaction as you listened to it?
0: Um, I think my reaction is exactly the same as yours. Mm. It's like, oh, my God. I mean, wh- where do you start? Yeah. Uh, but it, it said to me, uh, it, it, for me, it said a lot about Hillsdale's approach. Uh, because these are the people the governor was inviting to come in and shape curriculum in the state of Tennessee with this network of uh, public charter schools And you know here was a professor who is widely revered on the Hillsdale campus saying these outrageous things and but but it, it was a, a symptom because you know for example, if you look at the Hillsdale faculty page, it is virtually all white mm. and, and 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 we have a very diverse community and and we're asking these people to write curriculum for an entire diverse population of, of students across the state. Uh, and, and so you know I, I thought it was you know characteristic or indicated a lot about Hillsdale. The other thing that we came across in doing this research was that Hillsdale schools, by and large, tend to be schools for more affluent and more white families. Uh, if you look at student populations across the state, uh, it, it it is more affluent than the communities they serve. It's more white than the communities they serve, mm. uh, and and so it it was a symptom.
1: Now, the charter school commission also has some very serious issues as well, right?
0: Yeah, there are great concerns uh, among Republicans and Democrats now, again, a rare moment of unity, Hmm. uh, about the public charter school commission. This is a commission that when a local school board says no to a charter school, this commission has the authority to overrule those local school boards. Uh, And what has happened, that has been fairly common with Davidson and Shelby counties. Now, charter schools such as these Hillsdale schools are starting to move more into the suburbs, into more Republican areas, and so even now, some Republicans are saying, "Hold on, what what did we do? We we gave you the authority to override, overrule our school boards. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, you know, most of them were fine as long as Davidson and Shelby were being overruled, but when it starts getting into their communities, they become a, more concerned." And so what we're looking at now is who makes up this commission. What are their conflicts of interest? That, By and large, they are a group of true blue believers in charter schools. And in some cases, they're actually involved in charter schools that are coming before the commission itself.
1: Wow. That's a pretty big
0: conflict of interest. Absolutely. And and there is one member of the charter school commission who this month will be appearing before the charter school commission to ask the commission to overrule uh, Shelby County Schools.
1: So, you know, seeing that we have these obvious conflict of interests, what does that say to you about the governor's priorities for education in the state?
0: Well, the the governor has made it very clear that he believes to use his word in school choice. You know, the critics would say that school privatization, Uh, but you know, he, he has been just outright you know, clear that you know, he wants to push this agenda a, as much as he can in that hidden camera video that we got. He talked about the fact that he has learned that he, there, he may want to build a bridge to a certain place, you know, school privatization, school choice, but he may not be able to accomplish that during his term. So he thinks of it in terms of building a peer. Mm. that someone else can complete as the bridge
1: later. Okay, he, the, he starts the foundation, exactly, so to speak. Now, you mentioned that the governor appoints these members to the commission. Talk to me about the potential fallout of about having this commission stacked so favorably for charter schools and organizations like Hillsdale College.
0: Well, the critics will say the problem is that these are people who are dedicated, their life missions are to advance charter schools and 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 not necessarily to balance the, the, the interests of the local school boards. Uh, and, and so that's where you even have some Republicans now saying, hold on, did, did we go too far? Do we need to rein this in? Do we need to take a look at this and, and maybe change the parameters under which this commission operates? So I think what we're going to see this month, we're going to see some tough decisions being made by that commission. That could potentially put charter schools into more Republican areas, and and that could prompt some Republican backlash. That, that's going to be interesting to watch. How has
1: the governor responded to the latest news?
0: You know, the, the governor has sort of pretended this was never his idea at all. Hmm. Uh, and at one point I asked him, I said, why does why does it say that Hillsdale has run into such problems? What does this say about your vision? Remember, he mentioned it, you know, it was a centerpiece of his State of the State address. And his response to me was, well, that really wasn't my vision. Hmm. So he seems to be backing away, one might say running away from this controversy.
1: Are there any charter... Applications out there right now that are raising eyebrows or sparking your interest.
0: Well, there are a a few Uh, There is a group called Founders Classical Academy Uh, Up until a year ago, they were associated with Hillsdale. There there was a falling out of some sort Uh, They have applications pending to put charter schools in Hendersonville and Franklin Again, the local school boards have said these are not good applicants. We don't want them. So the commission could be again asked to overrule Republican counties. Uh, there is a vote going to going to happen this week, where the commission staff has recommended approval of two KIPP charter schools in the Antioch area, where the school district is saying, "Hold on, we have have plans of our own to open schools in this district." So we could see a very clear example this week of another case where the Charter School Commission is overruling the Metro Nashville Public Schools.
1: Phil Williams is the chief investigative reporter at News Channel 5. You can read his news story about the commission at newschannel5.com. Phil, thanks for being on the show and thanks for your reporting. Absolutely. We have to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to the movies. It's film festival season in Nashville. We'll kick it off with a visit to the red carpet of a world premiere. Did you attend the International Black Film Festival? How about the Nashville Film Festival? What film stood out to you? Tweet us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. I'm Khalil E. Colonna, and this is Nashville. The annual Nashville Film Festival is in full swing, with daily screenings of indie films, shorts, and documentaries. Some films are even making their world debut, like Jassir, a gritty drama about a Syrian refugee who resettles in a rough neighborhood in Memphis. The Arabic-English language film was shot entirely in Memphis and features many well-known landmarks. WPLN's Julia Ritchie went to the premiere over the weekend at the Tennessee Performing Arts Theater and met with the writer and some of the cast members on the red carpet just before the screening.
0: My name is
3: Wahid Al-Kawazmay. I'm the writer, director, and producer of JASR, and we're here for the world premiere of JASR, uh, immigrant refugee story of someone that comes to America, to the south, and, uh, you know, their dealings with the whole um, southern attitude sometimes for strangers, but also the love that they can get and
4: receive.
5: My name is Tut Weezy. I am playing the role of Jerome in JASR. It means everything especially being from Tennessee to have like one of my first like big films being from the state that I'm born in it's no I can't even I don't know what to say man you about to make me cry I'm thinking about it
4: My name is Tony Green and I am playing Darcy Actually I met Wahi some years ago when he was actually a, he was about 16 years old, and he came to see one of my shows, <laughs> and uh, I was 16 too.
6: <laughs> and uh,
4: he, he loved what he, I mean, and he just thought about me playing this particular part.
2: My name is Malik Rahbani, and I play Jasser. The character Jasser, he's a symbol, he's universal, and unfortunately this story is not a historical story, it's still happening every day, We see what's happening in Ukraine, Afghanistan, Iraq, wherever there are wars, people lose their homes, they lose their their livelihood, they lose their dreams and they become refugees. I'm over the moon. I'm so happy that after all this hard work, we've been working on this film for so many years and we shot during COVID, some of the hardest times in history. And uh, I'm so proud of what we achieved
7: for audiences, your support of the festival, and independent film. Now, please sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Thank you very much.
1: My next guests are responsible for creating experiences like the one you just heard. Lauren Ponto is the programming director for the Nashville Film Festival, and Hazel Joyner-Smith is the founder and CEO of the International Black Film Festival, or IBFF. Welcome to This is Nashville. Thanks for being here. Thank
4: Thank you you for having us.
1: us. (laughs) So, Hazel, I'd like to start with you. The IBFF just finished up. How did it go?
4: It went well, very well, we saw, and had excellent films throughout, from the beginning to the end. And uh, from all evidence, everyone enjoyed themselves while they were at the festival uh, during the time. How many
1: films did you feature this year?
4: We featured 40-plus films. Wow.
1: Yeah. That is a
7: lot.
4: And that's down from where we have been before, but we understand we're coming off of COVID, and uh, it's taking some time to get back into the swing of things.
1: Tell us about some of them. Which one stood out to you?
4: Well, there was one called uh, The Empty Chair that was absolutely excellent uh, Where? a young lady uh, challenged uh, the court system and um, uh, it was, in, in a marvelous way, she was stood very tall in terms of uh, addressing a system that had long, uh, had long standing of not giving contracts mm. to women of color. And it was an excellent film. And then there was one called COVID-19, okay. uh, which was excellent because it talked about the results of what's happened over the last three years in terms of people dealing with COVID and coming back to school. All of the mental health issues, the health issues, uh, employment or unemployment, or back to work, not wanting to work and where people are and how they're feeling, so very good.
1: All right, so on Saturday night, the International Black Film Festival showed Remember Me, the Mahalia Jackson story. Afterward, there was a panel discussion featuring Lettucey, who played the lead role. Writer Erica Nicole Malone was also there. It was really a special night for Melvin Maestro Lightford, who co-wrote this score. Let's listen to a little bit of what he said.
8: You know, words can't explain what I'm feeling, you know. This is a full circle moment for me. Um, The ground that we're standing on. I went to this college, you know. and This is where I went to school. You know, it's just amazing just to see, like, you know, uh, Columbus talked about education. When I got here, the first thing I did was go to my old high school, Back because I'm born and raised in Nashville. I love you, New Orleans, but Nashville, let's what's up? Yeah. (laughs) But no, I went, I went to I went to my high school. I did a master class when just trying to help the the kids because I was in their their their, you know that that seat, you know, in that I went to that high school. The next day I went to my elementary school. And it's just like, you know, opening up a piano lab for them because education is important. And I'm gonna use my resources and abilities and my privilege to, to help those behind me so they can be sitting here.
1: That's really inspirational. Talk to me what did it mean for you to bring this film
4: to Nashville? Well, it it was uh, close to our heart and being able to bring someone who has um, roots in Nashville is part of our mission and it was uh, excellent because uh maestro and and the others really brought it home and could touch the community that we're trying to reach Mm. and that this is what we are about and this is where you can go and so it was uh it was wonderful as it was relatable to the audience audience that's (laughs) excellent
1: now lauren we heard a clip from the nashville film festival just recently at the red carpet how has it been going since then
9: um this year has been really amazing um like hazel was saying it's really great to get back into the swing of things after covid and just seeing more audiences come out and people are you know happier than ever to uh network and speak with each other um we had a great opening night uh with the film the the return of tanya tucker featuring brandy carlisle uh tanya tucker was there the director kathleen horn was there um yeah, and it was a great night and screenings and, and attendance and filmmakers have been wonderful.
1: The film festivals, you know, are about people getting together to experience the cinematic arts. But as you you just mentioned, the pandemic put a hold on that for a while. Mm-hmm. Now, both of you, both film festivals are back in person, but Lauren, mostly. But tell me, Lauren, what has attendance been like for this year's festival?
9: It's been amazing. I think it's wonderful to see so many people out after being stuck at home and streaming for the last couple years. And while that all is is still great, and we do have a virtual element to the festival and an an amazing selection of shorts and Tennessee features and episodic work online. Um, There's nothing like getting to be back in person and, and having all of these filmmakers who have connections with each other but just haven't met, seeing them connect and just admiring each other's work it's it's why we do this. It's I I love watching the magic of people coming together.
1: <laughs> and and there's nothing like going to see a film with other people. No, it's, no. It's comfy to sit
9: in your pajamas on your sofa
1: <laughs> to watch a movie. But when you're with other people, that to me is a part of the cinematic experience. Now you've been the programming director since 2019. Yes. Tell me, so what are you looking for when you're making selections for the festival?
9: Yeah. So. I think for me, it's just all about discovery. I I, I feel like when I'm watching something and I, I feel like I'm learning, you know, there's still an entertainment aspect to it. But even if it's a narrative, um, you know, as well as a doc, I like to feel like I'm discovering something and, and learning something new about another part of the world or someone's perspective or um just seeing really amazing you know cinematography that i've never seen before or sound or music the the element of discovery is generally what i'm looking for
1: speaking of discovery how much consideration is given to first-time filmmakers
9: mm. oh yes i i'm a big i'm a big fan of um finding amazing talent and giving them a platform we have our new directors competition um, which is first-time feature filmmakers Mm -hmm. so typically uh filmmakers who have made shorts previously um and having their feature debut Um, and then we also have a next gen program which is our student category uh which is also first-time filmmakers um many first-time filmmakers who have just you know made their first shorts or it's their you know thesis uh project but our new director's competition is uh, for first-time feature filmmakers.
1: Okay. If you're just tuning in, this is Nashville, and I'm your host, Khalil lake We're talking this hour about our city's film festival scene with the organizers of the Nashville Film Fest and the International Black Film Festival. I'd like to bring in my next guest, Amy Bertram. She teaches in, film program, in the film program at Belmont. Amy, thanks so much for being here.
6: Thanks. It's an honor.
1: Honor is all mine. Now... Tell us, what did you see over the weekend that blew your mind?
6: Well, as a Middle Tennessee native, I'm going to have to go with the documentary on Oh Boy Records about John Prine's studio. It was so touching. Um, It was a great film, and not only that, the filmmakers were in attendance, as was his widow, Fiona. Mm. And she spoke, and it was just so amazing. That
1: was a real special moment for everybody in the audience. huh? Mm -hmm. Now, so you've been a judge for a while. Have you seen the quality of the films raise the longer the film festival has been in action?
6: Actually, I'm going to say that the film quality has always been really high, and I've been so pleased to be part of the juries for several years now. And every single jury that I've been on has had an a ray of really interesting films and so i wouldn't necessarily say that the caliber has increased but that it has maintained and continued to be high quality films
1: what is it like to be a part of a jury are you all arguing
6: (laughs) (laughs) not typically it's such an interesting process because it brings together people from all over the industry so i sat on a panel with a filmmaker a couple of filmmakers but they come at it from different points of view, and then I'm an academic, and so it's usually a conversation among people who have completely different experiences and expertise. And we just have a great conversation and eventually decide on a film together to be the winner. Okay.
1: I've got family members in the industry, and my uncle was a voting member for the Academy Award. So I'd go over to his place, and I would see stacks and stacks of screeners and DVDs. Two questions. Do you have the same amount? You have a high amount of stacks at your house of DVDs, and how many movies have you seen in the past few months?
6: It's funny that you asked that. Once the semester starts, so my dining room table is also my desk, and it's 10 feet long, and at least half of it is filled with stacks of books and films. Okay. I have at least 35 films on my desk right now and books as well. Um, I see lots of material. I teach four classes a semester, history of. Television, history of TV, I mean, sorry, history of film, all kinds of things. So I see things for class. But I've screened a lot of films with the festival this weekend and for the jury. And the other things that I've watched recently have been a little bit more TV-related because I've been interested in both the Lord of the Rings series and the Game of Thrones series and Mm -hmm. comparing the two of them.
1: Okay. Oh, we're going to talk after the show about that. (laughs) I've got some things. Now, Hazel, when you're choosing films to feature for IBFF, what criteria are you using for submissions?
4: Well, I think about my audience, and I uh, the looking at the quality of the film, uh, the subject matter, who's in the film, and uh, you know, um, would this fit what we're trying to do and what we're trying to portray? Mm. So, uh, and uh, that means. Uh, just like Amy's talking about, we, you know, we're looking at a lot of material, a lot of uh, new features that are out there and, and searching for certain subjects from time to time.
1: Now, Nashville is known for its foundation in music, but not so much for film. But that is changing, obviously, from the show and my audience here. Lauren, what would you how would you say the Nashville local film scene audience is different here than from other markets?
9: Yeah. um, So, so supportive. I'd say I have, especially this year, um, just met so many amazing people in the Nashville film community. They're, they're incredibly supportive of um, independent artists, independent film. And um, I think, I think more so here than other places. I used to work in Chicago at the Chicago International Film Festival, which was great. But for, for Nashville, it's such a growing city. And I think people who have been a part of the film and in, uh, industry here and people who are coming in and just joining it um, feel so proud of what the city is accomplishing and how it's, how it's being built. And so um, they're supportive of everyone. Mm.
6: And um, you can feel that here.
1: And Amy, as an educator of future filmmakers, have you seen an interest in the craft grow over the mm-hmm. past few years?
6: Definitely. Our program, I've been here since the program reg- began. I was... Will Akers, our former chair, his first hire. And I've seen the program grow exponentially and the quality of our students increase as well. Not that they weren't good at the beginning, we just hadn't gotten our feet as a program. And now that we are established, people are very interested and we have a lot of students.
1: Mm. I I wanna ask this question to both you, Lauren and Hazel. What do film festivals, what do they give to the cultural environment of our city? Hazel first.
4: Well it gives a voice uh, to those who may not have had a voice before. It gives access and uh, we provide for them a platform to showcase their work. So it's critical that a film festival is in place that recognizes the cultural um, uh, nuances and the cultural differences and the importance and value of, of all of the people in the community. So that's what we do as a festival. Yeah.
9: Lauren, I, I echo everything Hazel just said, one hundred percent. And also um, giving giving creatives and filmmakers, producers, screenwriters, uh, DPs. You know the whole the whole uh, that makes up people who make a film um, a place to network and chat with each other and create a bigger community. I've, I've talked to so many filmmakers who, who said, oh, I got that person's contact, or I know them through someone else, and we're gonna work together. And it, it's just it's just an amazing, uh, it's an amazing place and opportunity that you would not normally get.
1: That is Lauren Ponto. She is with the Nashville Film Festival. She was joined by Hazel Joyner-Smith, the founder of the International Black Film Festival, and Amy Bertram motion picture educator and judge for the Nashville Film Festival. Thanks to you all for being on the show today, and thanks for bringing such great films to our city.
4: Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you
1: for having us. We have to take a short break. We heard about what it's like to screen films in our city. How about learning what it's like to make them? We'll talk with three local filmmakers about their experiences. Are you working in the film industry in town? Tweet us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. I'm Khalil Ecolona, and this is Nashville. I've had the pleasure of working on a few movies in my time, some big time productions and other small independent films. No matter the budget, making a movie is hard work and takes dedication from everyone involved. Places like New York, Los Angeles, and more recently, Atlanta, have a robust infrastructure set up for making movies. But Nashville? is getting into the game. So what is it like to make movies here? My next guests can help to answer that. Finley Joel is a filmmaker who won Best Tennessee Student Short last year and just screened again at the Nashville Film Festival. Sec is a filmmaker who has directed music videos as well as commercials and shorts. And Max Butler is a film producer and Nashville native. Thanks to you all for being here.
3: Thank you so much.
1: Yes, thanks for having us. It's a great time. Now, Finley, I understand you recently graduated from Lipscomb. Congratulations. Thank you. What's it like to have your film show at this year's Film Festival?
3: Gosh, it's so special. Um, I had a bunch of my Lipscomb buddies and friends uh, come and support and watch, which was so, so cool. Um, I actually I grew up in Franklin, so I'm from Nashville. So uh, my parents got to come, and Mm. it was really special. Um, And it's so cool to see films from literally all over the world. There were films from Italy, from Israel. There was an Israeli filmmaker who came, um, Jordan, and it was just so cool to meet so many people.
1: Tell us about the film.
3: Uh, So the film, it's called The Troby. It is a, a children's short and it's about two children who are playing outside. And it's a period piece. It's set in the 1930s. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've, we filmed it in Nashville at, a, at Milky Way Manor, um, which is like a beautiful mansion owned by the Mars family of Mars bars, actually. Okay. Um, and they anyway, the kids are playing outside and they find a tiny little person called a Troby living in a tree and they decide to save her.
1: Okay. Yeah. Oh, I look forward to seeing that. <laughs> now, your short film, Muggy, Juan... The best Tennessee Student Short award at Nashville Film Festival last year. It's about a 12 year old named Muggy who just moved to the US from New Zealand. Let's listen to a part of one
3: scene. (laughs) I'm learning and I'm growing. I'm slowly being shown things that are healing my heart. Come on.
1: All right, so tell me what's going on with Muggy right here?
3: Yeah, um, well, Muggy, so I, sh- I shot Muggy half in New Zealand and half in the US. I was actually in New Zealand, that's where my family's from. So I'm actually a dual citizen of the US and New Zealand. And we were there last February or February of 2021. So not last February, a while ago. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh we were caught there to quarantine right when we were supposed to leave and the country shut down we were in lockdown i was going to film a short with a little girl i knew there just for fun on the beach in lockdown and then we ended up leaving before we got to shoot it so i um ended up shooting it with a girl named esther jane pope who i've known since she was very little in franklin and we filmed it here in the snow instead of on the beach in the summer okay and the little girl muggy who it was written about and for ended up doing the voiceover on it so that's who you just heard and um she's struggling to find home in the u.s and find a new belonging place of belonging and then she ends up finding it Little by little, and that's what the film is about.
1: Discovery, mm-hmm. I love it. Now, sec you got your start when your sister brought you a camera, right?
5: Yeah, I was, um, I was a junior in high school, and before that, I was just kind of like focused on acting and pursuing that. But then, um, like right around high school, that's when the whole directing thing kind of started. And um, <laughs> I didn't have a camera, so yeah, I remember that day exactly. It was, it was probably. The beginning of all of it because it was like it just went from everything being on paper and just in my thoughts to finally like making it happen. Is this your big sister? Yes, this is my big sister. Look, I've got Answer.
1: two I've got two big sisters who did things for me that totally changed my life. Hail big sisters yeah. out there. You all are the best. Now, tell me yes. a little bit more about your first break.
5: Um, First break. I would, I don't know, like I, I, never like focused on like the breaks and stuff. I, I always kind of like took it as like, um, like a way of life, just doing stuff and, you know, keeping one foot ahead of the other and things just happen. But if I have to say though a break break, I would say um, I think I did this um this little fashion film called Le Bon Fe, and it was like we just shot it guerrilla style inside of like this this dollar club and um just walked in there started shooting till they kicked us out mm. but I think that that really set a lot of things off because um as far as like my style goes that was like the first one I really kind of you know was it like you see that film you see a sex film so okay and I think a lot of people started to take notice of my work but even then I don't think I wouldn't call that a break I think my break haven't haven't come yet okay <laughs> I think it's um Okay. I, I think I got um, a lot ahead of me so yeah we'll, we'll just keep it pushing but
1: people are definitely recognizing the sex style I understand you were commissioned by the Tennessee Titans before the season yeah. started tell us about that
5: yeah um they they reached out well Nick Nick and I I've met him like I think a little like a, a little bit in the past but um we finally got the chance to work together they they had this initiative to do a documentary on uh, Jefferson street and kind of highlight the history of it. And, um, and yeah, so they, they came to me about it. And I I love to tell stories like documentaries has my heart. So it was just perfect to, to do that. And to kind of like go out there and shoot it with a small crew. I got to bring my friends along, which to me is like, what this is all about to get those big opportunities and just bring your friends and, you know, make these, um, tell these stories and bring attention to it. And, um, and I know a lot of people. Myself included, I didn't know too much about the history of Jefferson Street and what it used to be and, you know, everything that happened there. So it was dope to learn about it too as I was making the film and give people the opportunity to know about it as well. So mm-hmm.
1: Now, Max, you're a Nashville native who moved away, pardon me, to work in New York the New York film scene before moving back in oh eight. Was it hard to find work here at that time when you moved back?
7: It was a little bit hard, you know. Film is all about relationships and getting to know people and freelance work is job to job. So I didn't have that network established from a professional standpoint. Nashville is a small place, so everybody kind of knew each other back then. I feel like a little bit less now. But yeah, getting my foot back in the door kind of had to start over a little bit. And it's certainly grown from there. So you, when you moved back, before you moved back, you worked on some pretty, pretty big projects, right? I did. I had a Great opportunity in New York to work on some projects uh, with a lot of big-time directors on a lower level, right? I was like a production assistant and worked in the production office and worked my way up through the production office. But yeah, I got to my last project was with Shutter Island with Martin Scorsese and all these people. Mm-hmm. Still, my longest job ever, like seven, seven months. <laughs> what was the environment working on that like? It was it was just unbelievable. Um, just to be sitting there listening to these people talk. And and that's something that's kind of inspired me too, is like hearing Sack talk about doing it with your friends. These were people that were just, enjoyed making movies together and they were doing it with their friends, but they also had like multiple Academy Awards. Mm. And just to see them be like normal people, just like you or I, but they're just at the top of their game. And that was fantastic to see.
1: So coming from this experience in New York, working with Martin Scorsese, these big time folks, working your way up, when you came to Nashville, Was there a shock in the level of production that was happening here as compared to what you were used to?
7: You know, I focused on getting into film in New York, and there just wasn't as much of that going on here. So I had to take what I learned in New York to figure out how to make money and pay the bills here, which is commercials, music videos, and, you know, concerts. Um, And all of it comes down to storytelling, really, though, Uh, whether it's telling a story to sell a a musical artist or the music video or to sell a product, it's all very similar. Um, and so it's been an interesting and different challenge, but there were still some film opportunities. If you're just tuning in, this is Nashville, and I'm your host, Khalil Colonna.
1: We're talking this hour with local filmmakers Finley, Joel, Sek, and Max Butler about what it's like to make movies in Music City. Now, Max, let me ask you, what do you think about the filmmaking scene right now?
7: I think it's in a great spot. Um, We have a new film incentive for Tennessee that's just started in the last year or so that is going to bring a lot of very large projects to town Um, and has already brought stuff to Memphis and to East Tennessee. And that will give a lot of younger filmmakers opportunities to see production on a a studio scope Um, and will be great for experience for a lot of those people. And, you know, the opportunities now for people like Sec and Finley here who, you know, their sister can buy them a camera and they can make a whole movie by themselves. It's amazing. The opportunities are so great now.
1: What's the sense of community like?
7: I think we have a great community. And, uh, you know, it's just getting out there and meeting new people. And the film festival is a great way. There are a few film groups uh, that are out there where people meet. Um, I can't remember how I met Sec, but, you know, it's really just about, Knowing other people too, and I I worked with somebody who introduced me to Finley, and maybe that's how I met Sec too. It's just about those relationships. Finley, what about you? How how was how the community out here?
3: It's great, and I'm I'm coming from the film school perspective because I went to Lipscomb University. I was in their film program and just graduated in May. And um, gosh, it was so awesome for me to get to do that. Um, you know, I didn't want to do school anymore, <laughs> <laughs> but I was so glad that I I did it because I met so many people, and I mean. With, I didn't know anything going into school. I knew that I was interested in storytelling. I'd done a lot of theater. Um, but just getting to check out gear in the first month, thousands of dollars in the back of my rickety Jeep, and go and just make stuff was crazy. And it's, it really got me so excited and kind of addicted to just doing it, you know, and meeting so many amazing people. It's such a team sport. Especially when you're in school, because you pay each other with your talents. Mm-hmm. So you kind of find what you can do, and then offer that to others, and then they offer their skills to you and make things. And that's so cool. And it's been exciting to be graduated now and head off into the the Nashville world and have people lifting me up, which is so kind because I'm I'm brand new. And mm. you know, you'll just meet someone um, who'll shoot you a text and say, Hey, come come do this, and it's like the best feeling in the world because I don't know what I'm doing, <laughs> but people have given me chances and that's been really sweet and that's just how it is here. It's less competitive and more like, hey, let's lift you up.
1: A f- so A full-on supportive community. Now, Sek, yeah. Sek you mentioned that you know, you're bringing your friends along with you to help you with the films yeah. you make. Talk to me about that sense of community out here in Nashville and how it's different from other places.
5: Nah, yeah. um, I don't think you'll you'll find anyone to say anything negative about the Nashville uh, film community. Like, honestly, just, just speaking from the heart, like, it's always been love from everyone I've met. I mean, from, like, you know, I know when we spoke earlier, I named drop some names and stuff, but everyone I've met has always been, like, super genuine and, and, like she just mentioned, like, it's not really too competitive, and I'm not scared of competition, but I think when it comes to making art, like, everything should just be pure and, like, Nashville just embodies that, like, everyone is down to just make um art and you know and everyone like um what i really like about it too is like everybody plays their role and not to like kind of make it about that but when you're making a film it's about just like having an army of people um who specialize in different things and we all just come together and and make the final piece so it's and when everyone like recognizes their role and like do it so well, like there is no ego involved and everything, and everyone just like come together and, and make some like dope stuff. So that's been really like dope to witness from like everybody across all the levels, like from the young people that I've met to everyone who's been doing it for like ten plus years. It's it's like that that genuine love for the craft and just knowing their role and being good at it. Now and just being supposed so to.
1: Now I know you got your start you know, and you have experience in doing music videos. I'm wondering if you're familiar with the director Hype Williams and his work.
5: Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's funny cause um, a lot of people don't know Sec is actually like my last name, but um, Hype Williams was someone who I kinda, he was an influence in like finding a name that just like stick out. And like he was able to achieve that with making music videos, which is a little tough cause music videos is always, like, driven around the artists, like, you'll never hear somebody say, like, even Michael Jackson, for example, people always talk about his videos, knowing, like, he didn't direct them. he was directors who, like, brought his vision to life, so, with Hype, you can never, you, you can't mention a video he did without talking about Hype Williams, so, mm-hmm. that's kind of, like, how I wanted to build my name around, like, when you, when you mention anything I do, whether it's a music video or a commercial, like, it's not just, like, you know, oh, here's, this guy's music video, but it's like sec directed so.
1: Yeah, yeah. You've become the wanted director. Now, Finley, people think that you know, to really make it in this industry and markets, to get your movies made, you gotta go somewhere else. You gotta go to mm-hmm. LA and other places. But you've had local success staying right here.
3: Okay, that's a grant generous term. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know? I mean, you won. You're winning awards. Thank They're, you. G- gotta give you props and flowers. You know, are you planning to leave or stay in Nashville to build your career?
3: Solid question. Um, I'm I I love Nashville so much and I feel like I've spent you know, having grown up here and doing done school and stuff here, I feel like I've spent a lot of time getting to know a lot of amazing people. And just I love the I love the culture and I love the community so much that as of now sticking around because i feel like there's a lot of opportunity and i feel like as max was saying you know there's some there's some stuff starting to happen and the the water's starting to bubble a little bit and there's things popping up which is really exciting so i'm excited to be here and just keep going and see what happens and i think it's a good place to try and make your own stuff too and i have some things i'm trying to get done and i know lots of wonderful people here and i who are excited in helping to you know, make that happen. So I'm staying here for the time being. <laughs> all
1: right, all right. Now, Max, you're the veteran of the group. What changes have
7: you seen in the local filmmaking scene here in Nashville? Oh, I mean, just the crew base has grown so much, the crew and cast. Um, you know, Nashville, the television series coming in, um, really gave a lot of people opportunities, not just to work on that show, but they took away people from that were making music videos and gave younger people those opportunities. So definitely... The crew base, the the amount of gear, the vendors that we have here have definitely grown. Um, and I think even, you know, the community was, was small and tight-knit back then, but now I think it's grown and still maintain that community aspect. Um, you know, I didn't mention it before, but the Nashville Filmmakers Guild is a nonprofit that gets people together just for that community aspect um, and for, like, sharing information and education as well.
1: All right, so Sec, what can we expect from the local film community here in the future? We got 30 seconds.
5: Um, Just dope art, because we have super talented people, and there's nothing more than that but just dope art across everything, photos, film, music videos, documentaries, everything, just dope art.
1: Nashville is the new creative hub, not only of the United States, but of the world. That's what you're saying?
5: Absolutely.
1: Okay. Okay. That's wonderful. Gotta, yeah. I want to thank my friend, filmmaker Sec. He was joined by Finley Joel and film producer Max Butler. Thanks to you all for being on the show today and the best of luck to you. Okay. Thank you.
3: Thank you so much. Thank you, Bob.
1: We want to thank everyone who tuned in this hour. Tomorrow's show is about paganism. Pagan Pride Day was Saturday. What is it like being pagan in such a Christian city? Tune in. This is Nashville is a production of WPLN News and Nashville Public Radio. Listen back at thisisnashville.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Our producers are Steve Harush and Rose Gilbert. Our digital lead is Anna Gallegos Cannon. Michaela Elias is our technical director. Our executive producer is Andrea Tutho. Shout out to our intern, Tori Hoover. The masterminds behind our theme music are L'Orange and Namir Blade. Special thanks to Allison Inman and Bree Carlesimo. The conversation doesn't end here. Tweet us at This Is Nashville. Find us on Instagram, and tell us what you want from our show by filling out our quick survey online. This is Nashville. I'm Khalil Ecolona. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody, and be good to each other.